0: Thanks for listening to Worship Local. This is our podcast where we invite you into the long-winded, ever-deepening, sometimes winding conversation of Frontier Church, where we exist for the glory of Jesus and the joy of Des Moines. Today, we'll be talking about giving, tithing, money. So the 2021 financial season is just around the corner for Frontier Church, so this is a perfect time for me to record a podcast about giving. So in this podcast, I'll share a little bit about what the Bible says about generosity, specifically how Frontier Church thinks about money and budgets, but I ultimately want to answer this question for our church members. Where will my tithing go in the year 2021? So we're financially healthy right now, but as in most things, it's our desire as a local church to grow and get healthier in this area. So if you're not a member of Frontier, this just might be an episode that you want to pass on. Or if you do listen to it, we hope that it inspires you to faithfully give to your local church wherever that is. So whether you live in Des Moines or elsewhere, we hope that this podcast helps you worship local. So I want to eventually get around to answering that really important question that you deserve to ask, which is, where does my tithing go when I give to Frontier Church? So we want to be honest and transparent and credible in the way that we use and spend our church's generosity. And ever since we launched four years ago, I think that we've embodied that. So we'll answer that question by examining it through the hypothetical lens of where would your money go if you tithed a hundred bucks? $100, Hundred dollars. How does that shake out? So before we get to that question, I, I honestly just want to start this conversation with a note of honesty and transparency, especially since this is a podcast about giving. In the four years that Frontier Church has existed, I've I've done a poor job on teaching about giving. at At the pastoral level, this has been a conversation that we've had several times. and And if you if you guys know Andrew and Kent and Stephen then you know that they were super, super, super gentle and humble in this conversation, and they didn't bully me around at all, but they have rightly pointed out my failure to teach on giving on several different occasions. And each time, they've been totally right. As I've kind of thought about why that's the case, I think there's a couple reasons why I've done a lackluster job in teaching on giving. One reason is that the biblical books that we preach through so far as a church— really don't emphasize giving as much as other books do. And because our pulpit is dictated by the Bible, I haven't taught explicitly about it very much. I think there's been like two sermons maybe in the last four years. We were talking about this among the elders the other day. I think there's been two sermons that have touched the subject in four years from Frontier's pulpit. But I think another deeper reason is that as a young pastor, I know that young people are suspicious about churches in general, churches motives. Church kind of has a tainted, greedy history. But that's a bad reason to not teach on giving, um, because the Bible teaches on giving. And people need to know everything that the Bible teaches, whether it's about Jesus, heaven and hell, sexuality or morality or ethics or money and giving. So let's talk about that question then. What does the Bible say about giving? Well, it turns out that the Bible has a lot to say about giving and generosity and money. So, for starters, a pastor who's been helpful for me in summarizing what the Bible says about giving—this isn't going to surprise most of you guys—is John Piper, okay? So, Piper points out that tithing is commanded in the Old Testament under the Mosaic Covenant— that tithing was 10% from everybody, and that 10% was given to support the Levites. And the Levites were the religious leaders underneath the Mosaic Covenant in the Old Testament. And Piper rightly points out that the New Testament, unlike the Old Testament, doesn't command tithing. So I don't know if that's surprising for you guys. So let me say that again. The New Testament doesn't command tithing. In fact, the word tithing isn't even in the New Testament. There's actually a new principle that replaces the principle of tithing. So, what's the new principle? And by the way, that doesn't mean that the New Testament doesn't talk about giving. It talks a lot about giving. You've probably heard somebody rightly point out before that Jesus talks more about money than almost any other subject in the Gospels. And in Paul says about his own ministry in 1 Timothy, quote, that the laborer deserves his wages. And Paul is even more clear to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians when he says, quote, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So even in those couple texts, can you spot the new principle that replaces the old principle of tithing jesus himself said that quote it is more blessed to give than to receive so the new principle is the principle of generosity so in in other words the new testament it doesn't command tithing 10 percent, because the expectation is that the new covenant believers who have received so much in light of the cross, so much forgiveness and so much free righteousness and so much good news, those people shouldn't be motivated by an exact percentage. They should instead be motivated by just how much generosity can we exhibit? So to quote Piper again for the win, Piper says, "We should get, we should outgive those. We should outgive those who lived under the law." because we have a better covenant and a better promise. Everything is greater with Christ, so why wouldn't giving be greater? So let me give you a quick pastoral note. Um, I think that everything I've said so far is helpful, but I also think that 10% can be a helpful target if you feel like the principle of generosity is like just too abstract for you. No doubt some of you have listened to this last blurb on what the Bible says about generosity. And those of you who love your spreadsheets, you want to pull your hair out because Paul says each one must give as he has decided in his heart rather than saying each one must give exactly 10%. And so you kind of want to respond by being like, just be helpful, Paul. Just show me your Google spreadsheets. Just show me your personal budget. Just give me a number. So I totally resonate with that. So personally, Chloe and I personally use the 10% number as our baseline for giving to Frontier Church with the goal of surpassing 10% in the future. So Chloe and I, we feel like we're very, very close to hitting that 10% number of giving to the church. But once we hit that number, we don't just want to sit on our hands and dig our heels in and congratulate ourselves and feel like we're there. Because we believe that the New Testament principle is the principle of generosity. So even when we do hit that 10% number, we want to continue to come back and reevaluate our giving with the hopes of really being capable of maybe even giving a higher and higher percentage as hopefully our church grows more and more. So for some of our younger couples in Frontier Church, that might not be possible right now. If that's you, again, let me pastor you. Pick a number for yourself that's somewhere between we can do that and ouch, right? Somewhere on that spectrum between, hey, we can do that and ouch. The worst effect that the word tithing can have on a Christian is for you to think, well, I can't accomplish giving 10%, so I might as well just not give it all. So that's a a terrible effect, right? That's a a bad response. So I would say to, like specifically the young couples, I would say, start small. Just get into the rhythm of giving. And as you experience the rhythm of giving, I think you'll experience the joys of giving. And as you experience the joys of giving, then it can become a worshipful, intimate experience with the Father to look at your budget, reassess, and think, how can I give more to your mission, Father? I think that's a helpful starting place. So we're getting closer to that question of where exactly does my tithing go when I give the Frontier Church? But before we get there, I'm going to tease this podcast out a little bit more and answer a second question. How does Frontier Church as a local church think about money and budgets? One helpful note to know is that it's helpful to know that we are an elder-led church because this actually impacts how we set our finances. So let me give some definitions really quickly. Member-led churches... As opposed to elder-led churches, member-led churches are churches that vote on leadership decisions and budget decisions and committee decisions, right? This is the type of church that whenever one of those decisions are being made, everybody from the church gets together and they raise their hands and they vote on this, and everybody votes in the decision-making process. Now, that's not who we are, but there are definitely some pros to this model of church government. For instance, everybody feels like they have a say. That's a great thing. You want all hands on deck, but there's also some cons to this model of church government that we're aware of. For instance, the Bible is clear that spiritual leadership is the job of the pastors at the local church level, and sometimes pastors abdicate this responsibility in member-led models of churches. Now, elder-led churches, on the other hand, are obviously churches where leadership decisions and budget decisions and committee decisions are made among the pastors. And again, like the, like the like the member-led model, there are some pros and cons to this. As a pro, like I said just a second ago, leadership is given to the elders in the New Testament. So it's great to have your pastors, the people who are most in tune spiritually with the overall health of your church to make decisions. But there are also some cons, right? Sometimes people don't feel like they have a voice because they don't vote on things. So... Even though Frontier Church is technically elder-led, our model is a bit of a hybrid. We are what we call elder-led, congregationally sensitive. So rather than doing church-wide voting, we have a three-step rhythm for decision-making. Number one, the elders first cast the vision to the church for decision-making. And then number two, we give the church a season to have conversations with us about it and exercise their voices before number three, the elders eventually vote on it. So in the case of the finances, you'll see our proposed budget at a membership meeting before it's eventually finalized. And then we'll give you a season to speak into it before we finalize it. So it's just helpful to know that that's one of the ways that we set the budget. So here's how we set our budget. In general, healthy churches, and this is going to be a little bit nerdy, but healthy churches in general set their their budgets with one of two models. Number one, the previous year's tithing model, or number two, the projected growth model. Now, we like both of these models, but we generally choose a third model, which is a hybrid model. For instance for our 2021 projected budget, what we did is we averaged the giving in the last six months of the 2020 year. We didn't use the full year because things have been so unpredictable and up and down with COVID. So we thought that the last six months would be the perfect barometer for understanding our church's average giving. So we we also just didn't use a projected growth model. And that... That model has some benefits, but we think that it can be a little bit presumptuous upon God. You can begin to think, well, we grew 6% in this last year, so let's increase our budget for next year by 6%, assuming that God's going to continue to behave in exactly the same way. So, you can see how that sometimes gets a church into trouble, and you can see how we don't go wholesale into that model, and that's why we end up with a hybrid model. So, Another helpful note for how we set the budget, and gosh, now that I'm reading through this, I'm realizing (laughs) how nerdy this is. So hang with me a little bit. But the last helpful note for how we set the budget is the fact that we believe in the Holy Spirit. Hopefully, that's not a shock for anybody at Frontier Church. But because we believe that the Holy Spirit is real in moving and causes things to happen and change within the space-time continuum of history, we're comfortable taking risks financially and operating at partial deficits. Last year, for instance, we operated at about 10% over budget in order to pay Nick Powell as a staff member, and we almost matched it. And the reason why we're comfortable with this is because we think that the Bible encourages us in this direction. Think about the parable of the talents. Um. There's this great Bible story about leveraging the talents for God's kingdom. It's a story that Jesus tells in parable form. In the parable, this master gives talents to his servants, and he gets mad at the servant who just buries his talents and then gives them back to his master at exactly the same amount. And he loves the servant who takes the talents, takes the risks with them, and grows God's kingdom and brings them back even more talents. So as long as the risk is wise and motivated and godly, we want to leverage our talents to grow God's kingdom. We don't want to be accused of just burying our church's generosity and sitting on it. So those are three helpful things to know about the way that we set our budget. We are elder-led we have a hybrid model between using the previous year's tithing and the projected growth model and we believe in the holy spirit So finally, let's circle around to that question. Where, If I'm a member of Frontier Church and I give to the mission of this church, where exactly will my tithing go in the year 2021? That's an awesome question. So imagine that you tithe by giving Frontier Church hundred bucks. I'm not saying you should. You should give like Paul says, according to what the spirit reveals in your heart. It's just that the number 100 is super, super simple. So Imagine that you give us $100, you tithe $100. Here's the cool thing $10 don't even go to Frontier Church. They actually go directly to church planting. So if you've been around Frontier for a while, you know that we give 10% of our internal tithing directly to the mission of church planting. So $1 of that goes to Acts 29, which is a church planting network that we're a part of that helps plant more churches. $2 of that Goes to the Baptist Convention of Iowa's cooperative pr- program, which is awesome. The cooperative program supports church planters in a lot of cool ways. It gives gifts to church planters and it gives initial funding for church planters. It's awesome. And then the remaining $7 of that $10, which is the bulk of our church planning budget, goes to Hope City Church over in Clinton, Iowa, to our very own church planner, Nick and Holly Powell, which is really cool. It's cool. Because it means that you as a member of Frontier, you are involved in church planting if you give to Frontier's mission. It doesn't matter if you never plant a church, never become part of a future church planting team. By just giving to our church, you are helping plant other churches. I just think that's so cool. And then... The next $11 out of the $100 that you tithe to us goes to ministry management. So these 11 bucks are like super, super important. They purchase things like music equipment so that we can continue to sing to the Lord with excellence and gladness on Sunday mornings. It gives Andrew and I discipleship budgets so that we can buy coffee for people and meals for people and minister to them with the gospel at coffee shops and in restaurants And there are other categories that this $11 go to as well, like team building, travel expenses, Sunday supplies like communion, ministry management tools that help us schedule volunteers and show lyrics on slides on Sunday mornings, your tithing, in short— helps us purchase the tools that are necessary so that we can minister faithfully to you on Sunday mornings and to the city the rest of the week. And then the next $11 goes to facilities, or sorry, not 11, the next $20 goes to facilities rental. So we have to obviously... We have to pay Noche on Sunday mornings, and we also have to pay for facilities insurance in case something bad ever happens. But this is really cool because it means that for us, your $20 doesn't just go towards purchasing purchasing a a place for us to worship on Sunday mornings, but it's a win-win because it goes towards supporting a cool business in our local community, Noche, which is this sweet jazz club that serves our city and provides our city with a unique culture. And it won't always be like this because we hope one day that we're going to own our own church building. But for now, we think it's a cool way that we can exist for the joy of Des Moines. Especially in times like COVID, guys, where our facility's rental is playing a significant role. Like a significant role in keeping a jazz club's doors open and lights on in a really, really rough time to be a small business. And so after... That $20 goes to facilities rental. We've got about $60 remaining out of the $100 that you tithe. That $60 goes to staff, which is Andrew and I. So this won't always be possible, but as an ideal or a goal, since day one, one of our financial goals has been to invest over 50% of our budget into ministers of the gospel rather than brick and mortar. So the bulk of your tithing, about 60% of it, I mean, this is so cool. It goes towards putting food on our tables, helping us pay our mortgages, helping us feed our families, helping us clothe our children so that we can be pastors who minister the gospel to you. This is so important for you to know. I'll I'll give you one reason why. One of my old heroes of the faith, he was a dude named Mark Driscoll. He came under significant heat five years ago when it came out that he was inappropriately misusing church funds to support his personal books, to get them on the New New York Times bestseller list, right? That's just heartbreaking. These people are being obedient to God and they're giving generously to the mission of God by giving to their church. And it turns out that this funding is being misappropriately used for one man's agendas. That's heartbreaking, But it's also really great motivation for us to make sure that we don't budget our church's generosity around buying stupid stuff and inappropriately spending it on things that aren't gospel needs. By aiming to budget over 50% of our church budget towards ministers, towards people, we ensure that your generosity literally puts food on our tables so that we can serve you. And this is exactly why Paul can serve the church of Philippi with so much joy. If you've ever, if you've ever read uh, the book of Philippians, it's basically Paul's thank you letter to the church of Philippi for supporting him financially. In chapter one, Paul says, I thank God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all make my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. The partnership that Paul's talking about is primarily their financial partnership that they send with Epaphroditus that allows Paul to stay alive and keep moving the gospel forward. We want Frontier Church to be kind of like that. So if you don't like the, hey, let's imagine you give a hundred bucks, how is it going to shake out? If you don't like that, let me just break it down to you in percentages really, really quickly here. 10% of our budget goes to church planting. 12% of our budget goes to ministry management, 20% of our budget goes to facilities rental, and 58% of it goes to staff. We're we're pretty proud of that breakdown, guys. We really do believe that we're being faithful with your generosity, and we really do think that that that's why God is blessing us. So, I hope this podcast has been helpful for you to just hear some clarity and transparency on some of the ways that we think about money and exactly where we're spending it. And so as this comes to a conclusion, let me just end with a prayer for our church's financial health and life. Heavenly Father, no one gives more freely than you. You will never be charged with withholding any good thing from your people you gave to us from the fullness of your bank account you gave us your son jesus christ on the cross this is the gospel and nothing father nothing is more refreshing than your gospel for it is the power of god unto salvation and so lord we join our brothers and sisters in coming to you right now with hearts wide open and as grace runs downhill to the needy so it flows freely from us to others to whom would you send us today lord to whom would you send me who needs a word of grace who needs a look of mercy who needs listening who needs lunch from me freely we receive and so freely we give to others and so father help us to see our finances as gospel resources help us to see our money as gospel gasoline. Help us to see our generosity as your desire to grow and nourish our church. May we feel the ouch of tithing and love it. May we think strategically about how to give so that we might be joyful givers. And may we have what we need, but truly invest in what will last for eternity. In Jesus' name, we pray all these things. Amen. Guys, I love you. Thanks so much for your giving. It means that Koldike and Andrew Self can be your pastors and still put food on Russell, Della, Chloe, Malachi, Lydia, Abel, and Tracy's plate.